Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. For a few moments to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. I want to talk to you for a few moments from a particular story and uh, we'll move forward in this. 1 Kings chapter 19. Thank you, Jesus. First Kings chapter 19. I'm going to begin reading <clears throat> at verse, um, verse 15. Verse 15, I think they actually said that we have people in overflow. So I want to greet all those that are in overflow. <laughs> Glad you're here today. Packed house. First Kings chapter 19, beginning at verse 15. Just to give you a little backdrop of this story for the sake of time in this text is this is after Elijah the prophet. He has um, escaped from Jezebel. He was uh, in a momentary time of depression and went to a cave. And for those who were familiar with the story, it's in that cave where, you know, God spoke to him in a still small voice and he's up back on his feet again. And, um, and he's in a position now where God is about to give him some new revelation and new assignment that he's to carry out. And so it picks up here in 1 Kings chapter 15. It said, Then the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, listen to his instructions. He, he said, I want you to anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Then I want you to anoint Jehu as king over Israel. And then he says, I want you to anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat. And he said, and you shall anoint him as prophet in your place. Notice that. Jump down to verse 19. So he departed from there and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. With 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12th. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen, ran after Elijah, and said, Please let me kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elijah turned back from him, and he took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. I'm going to come back to the story in just a few moments in this particular text and, and share some thoughts of where I want to go. But I want to open up by reading you this particular story in regards to a Spanish explorer by the name of Hernando Cortez. Many of you may have heard it, may have studied it in school. But I want to talk to you from this particular story to set up what I want to talk, teach you this morning. But on April the 21st in the year 1519, Spanish explorer Hernando Cortez sailed into the harbor of Veracruz, Mexico. He brought with him about 600 men, the story said. And many of his men wanted to steal or trade for as much gold and return to Cuba as quickly as possible. The soldiers were divided between their desire 
for fame and wealth and their fear of defeat and death. One said, we're only 500, they told Cortez. Cortez answered, he said, then our hearts must be strongly courageous. We are dying of fevers and Indian attacks, others complained. Cortez responded, then let us bury our dead at night so that our enemies will think that we're immortal. Yet over the next two years, his vastly outnumbered forces were able to defeat Montezuma and the warriors of the Aztec Empire, making Cortez the conqueror of all Mexico. Notice that his small little army of only 500 men, according to this story, were able to defeat Montezuma and all the warriors of the Aztec Empire. Understand that there were several attempts prior to this um, expedition that tried with greater armies and larger armies and were unable to succeed and failed miserably. But here is a man and here is a leader who comes with less than a, a, a very small army that's less than anything that has gone before them. Trim started at 600, trimmed down to 500, but the story said this army who was outnumbered and all the odds were stacked against it was able to conquer Montezuma and all the Aztec warriors. And the scripture said, and, uh, and I mean, and all the, Aztec, the warriors of the Aztec empire making Cortez the conqueror of Mexico. How was this incredible feat accomplished? How did he do this? How did this happen? What was the secret of this success that this small army was able to take over this entire amazing empire. Cortez knew, it said, the story said from the beginning, listen to this, that he and his men faced incredible odds. He knew that the road before them would be dangerous and difficult. He knew that his men would be tempted to abandon their quest and return to Spain. And so as soon as Cortez and his men came ash come ashore, and unloaded their provision, he ordered their entire fleet of 11 ships to be destroyed. In other words, after they had got all of their equipment and after they had got everything that they had brought with them on the ships, after the last, last soldier came off the ship onto the land, in that moment, Cortez said, now I need every one of these ships to be burned to a crisp. His men stood on shore and watched as their only possibility of retreat burned and sank. And from that point, they knew beyond any doubt there was no turning back. Nothing lay behind them but an empty ocean. Their only option was to go forward, conquer, or die. And Cortez stood up and said, I knew that the only way that we're we were going to be able to move forward and go forward and step in the new territory and conquer it, if the only way that it could possibly happen is that I removed every option and everything that would provide an opportunity for us to turn back. I want to preach to you this morning on this subject. No turning back. No turning back. I need you to say that loud. No turning back. Say it again. No turning back. Because in reality, just as Cortez stand, stood before that great so, those great men and those great soldiers, 
and commission them. I stand before you this morning as we have come on to the shores of a new year, the year of 2017. I want to declare and even prophesy over you that the only direction that you need to worry about going in in 2017 is not backwards, but forward. This is the year that you are to go forward. This is the year that you are to move and what God has called for you to do and to accomplish and achieve. This is not your year to keep looking over your shoulder, to keep worrying about about what's behind you. Listen, 2016 left at 1159 last night and I promise you it will not come back again. There's absolutely nothing you can do about what did or didn't happen last year. But now that you are in a new year, it's time for you. It's time for me. It's time for us. It's time for the body at Christ at large to move forward. It is God's desire for you to progress, not digress. It is God's desire for you to move forward into new levels, into new dimensions, into higher heights and deeper depths in your relationship and walk with him. This is not the year to turn back. This is not the time to look back. The Bible said God wants to take us from glory to glory and faith to faith. There's only one direction for the believer that's forward and upward. And I want to know this morning in the 1130 service, is there anybody in here that says, you know, what? I'm with you. I'm ready to move forward. I'm not turning back. I'm not looking back. I'm not looking back to what happened last year. My eyes is set on the prize. I'm looking forward to what God has for me in this year. Notice the story said that the secret for Cortez and his army was that he had to burn the ships. He had to get rid of the ships Get rid of the things that would, uh, that would be create opportunities that would take them back to what used to be. Understand something. There are things, listen, sometimes there are certain things that come into your life for a season. They help you, oh my God, to get to one place, but they can hinder you from getting to the next place. Mm. They helped you in one season, but they can hinder you for your next season if you're not careful. See, the ships helped them to get there, but the ships would hinder them from going further to where God had called them to be. So my question to you this morning, what ships do you need to burn? So-called friendships, relationships, fellowships. What ships do you need to burn this morning? Ships of low self-esteem, ships of insecurity, ships of worrying about what everybody thinks and feels and everybody opinion about you. What ships in your life that you need to set a fire today before you leave this service so you can move forward in everything that God has for you and your life and your family? What ships? I want to say to you, to this, it is often said, be careful not to burn bridges. And I believe that there's truth to that. I believe that you ought to honor relationships and honor situations. But understand that a bridge is a connector. It always keeps you connected to things that, that, that initially was separated, but a bridge always keeps it connected. 
And I'm all about honoring good bridges, bridges that you cross over to help you advance. But if there's a bridge in your life that's not causing you to advance, but it's keeping you connected to the past, past hurts, past situations, past circumstances, past pains and past fears, that is a bridge that you need to burn. If it's not helping you to go forward, you need to burn it so you will not go back. I want to just tell you there's a few bridges that you might need to burn so you can move forward in 2017. The bridge, the first bridge I want to talk to you about is the bridge of who wronged you. Oh, quiet crowd. (laughs) Wrongs done to us. Who do you need? I wrote it down. Who do you need to forgive in order to burn the bridge of bitterness? Who wrongs you? Who did, who did something to you that you know you didn't deserve? I'm telling you, in life, I'm, I'm really realizing that, 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 that things just happen. You will not go through this life without being hurt at some point and some time. Jesus even said, he said, take it from me. I'm going to be your example in Hebrews 12. He said, I want you to realize, he said, looking unto Jesus, watch this, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he had something he was going toward. He had something in mind. He had a destination where he was going. He said, but he endured the cross and despised the shame, but now is set at the right hand of the father. We stop there. But notice what the next part of that scripture said. It said, think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people then you won't become weary and give up. In other words, he said, look at Jesus himself. He had to go through things uh, where he was done wrong. He was falsely accused uh, and things happened to him. But he decided that I am not going to let what they did to me take me back to a place that I know I don't belong. But I'm going to move forward in what God has for me. Here, let me help you out this morning. Do listen. I wrote, I wrote it like this in my notes. I said, if there are people who have wronged you, do yourself a favor and give them something that they don't deserve, but you desperately need and they desperately need. That is the gift of forgiveness. Because listen, forgiveness will free you from the nightmares of past hurts and allow you to reclaim the dreams of a great future. I'm going to say that again. I said forgiveness will free you from from the nightmares of past hurts, but it will allow you to reclaim the dreams of a great future. You have a great future ahead of you. You have great dreams ahead of you. Refuse to allow what someone did to you to keep you from stepping in what God has for you. Can I get a big amen right there? And I'll move on. Somebody say I'm burning it today. The next bridge you need to burn is burn the bridge of, of, of uncontrollable situations. Just like you can't help what people do to you, sometimes you can't help what life hands to you. They things come to us all, unexpected things, surprise, things that happen that you know just trouble just shows up at the door. Ding dong, I'm here. Well, no one invited you to come. You're trespassing. It don't matter. I'm here. 
But how many know things that just happen in life that you have no control over? But see, here's the problem. That's life again. You're not going to be able to control everything that happens. You're not going to be able to control every circumstance. But what you can control is how you respond to it when it happens. That's the key. That's the victory. Because see, every one of us have a story. Every one of us has something that we've gone through. We've had to overcome. We've had to, we've had to fight. But what you got to be careful is don't allow yourself to become a victim to uncontrollable circumstances. You had no control. You couldn't help where you were born. You couldn't help how you were born. You couldn't help the situation that you were born into. But don't sit down and just have a pity party and sulk and make excuses while life is just unfair. I don't ask just unfair. I don't have a chance. I didn't grow up. You know, some people just get so bitter. Well, I didn't have the parents you had. I didn't have the money you had. I didn't grow up where you grew up. I didn't have that. Oh, if you spent more time talking about how God is able in your life, where they're talking about what you didn't have and look at what you do have, maybe things will change. I told the last service I had to make up my mind a long time ago. If I sat there and, 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 just, and just, just had a pity party about how life wasn't fair to me, Come on. I grew up in a bootlegger's home. For the, let me translate that in California. My grandfather sold illegal, illegal liquor. Let me just put it that way. I grew up. My, my best friends as a five and six year old were old drunk men laying around in the front yard all the time. I grew up. Papa was a rolling stone. Wherever he laid his hat was his home. When he died, all he left me was alone. I grew up watching a mom work two and sometimes three jobs just to try to make ends meet and provide for her children. I grew up, all I ever heard, if you're ever going to be anything in life, understand that if you're going to make it in life, you're going to have to sell dope or sell drugs or you're going to have to be a professional athlete and you know that you're black. You know the odds are already stacked against you because of the color of your skin. And had I listened to that garbage, had I listened to that mess, had I gave ear to that, but I need somebody. You see, you can sit there and die all you want to, but I made a decision, 15 years ago when I gave my heart to Jesus that if any man be in Christ he's a new creation all things have passed away and all things have become new I need to tell somebody you're not a victim this morning you are a victor you are an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony I don't care where you come from I don't care who you came through I don't care how you were born if Jesus is Lord of your life you are blessed you are highly favored you are chosen. You are royal. You're the head and not the tail. Above only and not beneath. You're not a victim. You are victorious in Christ Jesus. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Don't tell me what I can't have. Don't tell me what I can't do. Don't tell me where I can't go. Don't tell me what I can't accomplish. If any, oh my God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm not turning back. I'm not turning back. That's, that's, that's people that get jealous because they chose to stay in their stuff because they chose to sit down and just die in their mess and don't want nobody else to do anything better than they did but I'm sorry here's my back in 2017 I'm not turning back I got too much ahead I, I love you but here's my back 
I, I, I thank God, but here's my back. I'm moving forward. Quit letting people rob you of your peace. Anything that costs you your peace and your joy is too expensive to own. Let me move forward. Bible said, God said, come here, Elijah. Here's your new assignment. He said, I need you to go anoint Jehu. I need you to anoint Hazael. And then I need you to anoint Elijah. He's going to be the prophet in your place. Go anoint him. What I love about this story, while Elisha is over here plowing, God is over here prophesying. God Almighty. While he's plowing, God's talking to another man about this man. I'm going to anoint him. I'm going to use him greatly. I'm going to bless her tremendously. I'm going to take her to places she never thought she was going to go. I'm going to do things through her that she thought she'd never do. And all he's over there doing is just plowing. But notice he's in a plowing season and he's sweating. No pun intended. He's sweating. He's plowing. It's rough. He's behind old nasty ox. It stinks. It's dirty. It's hot. But see, the key is that you have to stay faithful in your plowing season. When you understand that there's a prophecy over your life. I wonder who God is talking to about you today. I wonder who God is. Pro oh, you don't want to. I believe. Come on. I wonder who God wants to use in 2017 to open up doors for you. I wonder who God is talking to in 2017 to bless you. I wonder what God, who God is talking to about investing in your business, investing in that dream, investing in that call. We serve a God. See, understand, watch this. The mantle didn't come from Elijah. The mantle came through Elijah. It came from God. Oh, God. Is that too much for 1130? And the Bible said he came and he dropped that thing on him. And I could see Elijah. And when that thing hit him, he said, hold on, what, what, wait, wait, what? And before he knew it, the prophet is gone. And he said, oh, no, hold, wait. A, and he took off after him. He said, oh, wait a minute. What, if, what are you doing? He said, what you mean, bro? And he said, he said, what do I have to do with you? You know, in essence, what he was saying, he said, you can stay where you are. He said, but there's more. That mantle represents more. That mantle what represents what lies ahead of you. That mantle represents the double portion I have for you. That mantle represents a new dimension, a new level, a new place that you're about to walk into. Now, if you like staying there where you were, then you can stay there. It's not that it was bad. It's not that it was, it was anything wrong. But he said, it's time for you to move forward. I'm ready to take you. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but he's ready to take you in 2017 to new places for him and his glory and the bible said well hold on and and the bible said here is i'm gonna give you these three quick points and i'm gonna get out of your way and the bible said he ran back and did something strange 
he killed that ox. He broke the plow, the scripture said, and he burned it up. And the Bible said he left his mother. He left his father. He left the plowman that was plowing with him. And he took off after the prophet. Three things. That's key to you moving forward and not turning back. Are you ready real quick? Well, the Bible said when he broke the plow and he burned it, it represented his determination. He was determined not to turn back. He said, I got to remove all my plan B's. Some of you can't get God's plan A because you're still holding on to your plan B. It's not faith if you still got, well, just in case. It's not faith if you still say, well, I'll do this if it don't. It's faith when I abandon all and I step out of the boat of complacency, out of the ship, out on water and walk, knowing that I have to keep my eyes on him. And the only one that can sustain me is him. Do you still have your plan B? But he said, I'm determined, watch this, to burn everything. I'm determined to, 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 to totally separate from the past, separate from what used to be, separate from what I used to have, separate from what I, where I used to go. He said, I'm determined, I'm determined to break everything and burn everything that would try to keep me locked in my past. And see, I'm going to tell you why, why determination is important. Because determination is important because there will always come temptation. When you're tempted to go forward and go after and believe God for what he's calling you to do and moving you forward in 2017 know that the enemy will try to come and give you new bridges and new ships and try to tell you why you need to go back why you need to stay back why you don't need to move forward but when you have a determination you will stand boldly see determination will turn adversity into advancement determination will look at struggle and hardship and say it might be tough it might be hard I may not know all that's going to happen, but one thing I do know, I am not turning back. I'm not going back. I'm not looking back. Is there anybody in here this morning that says I'm determined to move forward? And then the Bible said this determination. Then he said this. He said that he ran after Elijah. His passionate pursuit represented his expectation. He said, I'm going after him because I'm expecting something to happen. I want to ask you a question. Where's your expectation this year? Are you expecting God's best? Or has the enemy convinced you to expect the worst? What are you expecting? And I'm about, I'm about to mess, mess with you a little bit. Some of you are doing a whole lot of praying but you have no expectation. I'm going to tell you the problem with that. Because if you just pray, but yet don't expect, you won't even recognize when God brings the breakthrough. You want some scripture? Glad you asked. The Bible said in the book of Acts, when they were praying for Peter, the church, because he was in prison, about to be beheaded. The Bible said they're praying, oh God, bring deliverance. Oh God, break the chain. Oh God, move. Oh God, move. They're praying. They're touching heaven. They're interceding. And the Bible said God sent an angel. Came right in the midst of that situation. Broke the chains. Lifted the burdens. Delivered Peter and set Peter 
set Peter free. But the Bible said that he, he came to the house where the church was praying. They're still praying. The miracle has happened. The breakthrough had took place. He's standing at the door. I believe he was on the outside and he heard him in there. Oh, Lord, touch Peter. Peter, oh, Peter, move. Oh, God, break every chain. Send an angel, Lord. We touch heaven right now. We call it down in the name. And I'm not making a mockery of prayer and intercession because we need to pray. But all I'm saying is even when they open up the door, they still didn't recognize their miracle was standing right in front of them. All I'm trying to tell you, after you've travailed, after you've fallen on your face, after you cried out to God come up out of that prayer closet and look up and say I'm looking for the answer right now I'm looking for what God is about to manifest this now and when you look for it don't look for it in familiar places Ooh, don't look for it just to come through ways that you've always seen it come through but look oh my God for your miracle in unexpected places through unexpected people at unexpected times I'm expecting the goodness of God this year. I said, I'm expecting the goodness of God. David said, I believe to see the goodness of the Lord. Notice he didn't say see to believe. Some of us will only believe if we see. But he said, believe to see. In other words, when I, in the natural, nothing looks like the promise. But I'm not believing what I see. I'm believing to see the goodness of God in the land of the living I'm expecting the goodness of God I'm expecting to see it you ought to expect to see the goodness of God like you've never seen it before in your life and here's what I thought here's what grabbed me why else would I not expect goodness this got me David said that in Psalms 27 but if you back up to Psalms 23 verse 6 he said, watch this, the goodness of the Lord shall follow me all the days of my life. What? Wait, wait a minute. If goodness and mercy is always following me all the days of my life, what else is there to expect when goodness is always right here with me? Oh. I can't help but to expect goodness because goodness is with me all the days of my life. And now it makes sense because goodness is with me. He can cause all things to work together for my good because goodness is with me. Somebody need to get that. Every day that you wake up this year, goodness is with me. Everywhere I go, goodness is with me. Everything that I face, goodness is with me. I don't expect to see nothing but good because good is with me all the days of my life. And the reason good is with me, because God is with me and God is good all the time. Last point, stand to your feet. He had determination. 
He had expectation. But he also had what I want to call sanctification. Because the Bible said he separated from his mom. He separated from his dad. He separated from the previous plowman. See, the word sanctify means to separate or set apart. Set apart for a specific purpose. Set apart for a specific task. Separate. And anytime you sanctify yourself or anytime that you set yourself apart for God, you set yourself up for his blessing. And the reason why I want to show you that point is because next week, January the 8th, we're setting ourselves up for what's ahead of us in this year. We're going to fast for 21 days. And fasting is a type of sanctification. It's a type of setting yourself apart for God for 21 days. That's what he told Joshua. He said, Joshua, I need you to sanctify yourself. Because tomorrow, I'm going to do wonders among you. I got miracles ahead of you. And you can't afford to turn back and look back. But if you make it a point to have determination, walk in expectation, and next week you set yourself apart in sanctification, I promise you that what lies ahead of you is blessing. I promise you what lies ahead of you is miracles. I promise you what lies ahead of you are wonders. I don't know if I'm in the right church this morning, but I don't know about you. I'm determined in 2017. I'm expecting in 2017 and I'm ready to set myself apart because I'm not turning back. I'm moving forward. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.